All right, we back. Live and in effect. I'm kind of nervous uh, sitting beside the king. Watch out now. You know who the king is. Oh, man. First of all, man. Asalaamu Alaikum. Wa Alaikum Asalaam. Mr. King. Yes, sir. I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Um, You are one of the most genuine kings that I have ever met. So wow, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you uh, your flowers right here live, and let people know that this is one of the pioneers, one of the icons, one of the true moguls of Mississippi and surrounding areas. And with that being said, I'm gonna let you take the floor, man. Introduce yourself, man, and tell the people a little bit of about. The gold, the black gold. <laughs> the mighty gold. Yeah, the mighty gold that you've laid out. Well, I, uh, <clears throat> I've been fortunate enough, enough to be in this business since I was probably around 10 years of age. I started off being a radio announcer at 10 years old in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, my hometown. Mm-hmm. And uh, I parlayed that into uh, winning a dance contest. That's really how I ended up being a radio announcer because one of the DJs heard me speak and get the acceptance award. Uh, I left um, Baton Rouge and went to work for one of the most powerful men in the country, well, in the world, James Brown. Mm. Uh, I, I, I say I was about 17 years of age when I went to work for Mr. Brown, and I was an electrical engineer, and he read about me being one of the youngest African-American engineers in the country in the newspaper, and. He had bought three radio stations, and I was fortunate enough for him to want me to come engineer his radio station in Augusta, Georgia. So I left and went to Augusta, Georgia to work for James Brown and ended up being an engineer uh, and a radio announcer. Then from there, he took an interest in me and took me out on the road and taught me the business. And I was one of the biggest, best lessons that I ever could have had acquired because no school, no college, no master degree, no PhD degree could have given me what James Brown gave me. He gave me street knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gave me uh, the real deal about dealing with the streets and dealing with business. And he treated me, even though I was a young kid, he treated me as a man. As a matter of fact, he fired two guys because they failed to call me Mr. King. In his organization, everybody had to call everybody else with the proper respect, Mr. And because I was a teenager, these guys just refused to call me. They got fired on the spot. And uh, James Brown took me under his wing, and I stayed with him for uh, about four and a half years and uh, got tired of being what I call making money just for him and wanted to make something for myself. Got greedy. Mm-hmm. I, I got to tell you the truth. I got greedy. Okay. And say, so if I'm making all these all this money for you, I can surely make some of that for me. Right. And um, he wanted me to sign a long-term contract, and I refused to do that. And, and uh, I told him I was going to leave. And he said, oh, well, where will you go? Out of the blue, crazy as I could be. I said, Jackson. No, I didn't say Jackson. I said Mississippi. And he laughed at me. He said, man, <laughs> with your militancy, they will hang you within the first two weeks that you get there. And I made a bet with him 
that I'd come to Jackson, Mississippi and stay at least a year. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see. I think I've been here some 40-something years uh, since that bet, and he lost a substantial amount of money. Uh, came here as a radio announcer and a radio engineer. Uh, had a dream to do television for all the time I was with him. He was supposed to buy a television station and let me do my show. Well, that fell through. So when I got to Jackson, Mississippi, Joby Martin was on. Uh, oh, Joby uh, Martin. Joby Martin was on. You got more meat than bread. hamburger <laughs> <laughs> you eat. You remember. At Joby's restaurant. Hello. Come on, man. Watch out y'all, now. Man, y'all paid the way, man. When I say I watched you guys, man, from... Yeah. From from Pampers, man. Okay, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. That's an honor. And uh, so when I got to Jackson, Mississippi and started in radio and that sort of thing, I wanted to do this television show. I went to the television station. They all turned me down. All three of them. WLBT, JTV, and APT. Turned, turned me you down cold. cold. I mean, you're talking about cold. They laughed me out of the building. <laughs> so you want to do what? <laughs> and uh, Did I they did, know anything on you? I mean... Well, no, they they didn't, and 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 you know, I I don't suspect that they had any vision as to what I was trying to achieve with a dance TV program. Wow. And uh, now Soul Train had not started nationally, but when I first started Black Gold, so they had no. Only thing they had to compare it to was American Bandstand. Had I mean, you had you seen anything like uh, Soul Train? Had did you have any knowledge of it? No. What gave you the idea? The idea came when I was with James Brown. To be, be honest with you, James mm-hmm. Brown, um, I saw how he was commanding audiences. And after we got through with his shows, when, when the show was over, mm-hmm. always were the young kids wanting to come back there and James, dance for James Brown. And one day I said, man, Mr. Brown, we ought to put that on TV. And he said, you know, that's a good idea. So I start formulating the idea from that one phrase, that one statement that I said to him. And then my wheels start turning about how I can present it on television. And I saw American Bandstand one day, and I said, that's, that's kind of what I want to do, but on the black side. Right. Yeah. Black put, gold. put some soul in it. Right. Um, so I got, got this idea, 24 karat black gold, and went to WLBT, and, uh, and, and, and I kept going to them and stopped going to the other two. Because at that time, WLBT had the biggest, power, most powerful signal. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be everywhere. Right. <laughs> right. I want, as far as the eye could see, that's right. where I wanted to be. Okay. Uh-huh. So they you, turned me you, down you, every you day. Want, you wanted the wattage. <laughs> that's right. The towers. <laughs> that's exactly The same right. one you was dancing on. <laughs> that's right. Okay. And they thought I was crazy when I did. I oh, probably was. Oh, man. <laughs> that, that vision is still in my head, man, today. It's still in my head today, man. That, those golden times, man, it just, it, it's something about them, man. Oh, yes, you know, indeed. You, you, you probably could have, have the, the dementia or something like that, man. You would never forget those. Man, that, that was a time that was unique and and uh, a time of its own. Yes, sir. And when I went to WLBT, it took me one year to convince them for them to give me a chance to do Black Gold. What I like made to you stay to so determined? Because I knew where the show could go, but mm-hmm. more than that, I knew that it was given an opportunity to teenagers to yes, be sir. able to come off the streets and uh, do something that make their mothers and fathers and their community proud of them. And that was, what, what, around what time was this? This was 1972. Being in 1972, and I heard you mention that, you know, kids off the street and that sort of thing. During that time, what was versus today? Mm -hmm. What was the streets 
to a to a teenager or or, or you know someone at that age bracket. What did you see to take them from? What what, what were you trying to achieve? When you were doing that, well, aimless. They, they they didn't have places to go. They didn't have things to do. They uh, they kind of milled around. They were standing on the block. They were standing on the corners. Uh, the only thing that they did was try, try to have a few house parties here and there. But a lot of times you couldn't do that because it ended up with fighting and and that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. you know, back during that time, it was it was even better when during that time when you. Fought, you fought. There were no guns and no knives and all of that. It mm-hmm. was, but you know, when I was coming up, we battled. You right. know, when I had a beef, right? I listen. I went to your neighborhood and I showed you how I can dance, and I whoop everybody on the dance floor. That's right. where we settled right. our differences. Right, right, right. And uh, I learned that from my block, and I wanted to transform that, or transfix that from what they were doing. And they just didn't have an outlet. So I wanted to give them an outlet to show off and display their talent. Okay. All right. And that took you, it took you a year mm-hmm. to, to start the show? Took Well, it took me a year uh, begging just, to just, start. Just, <laughs> all right. So now after you got them to listen to you, yeah. what steps did you take then? Well, they made the mistake of putting me back there and said, well, let's give him a chance and let's see what he can do. And uh, they said, well, let me let me put a couple of cameras back there. Show us what you want to do. I went back there, announced what I was wanting to announce and danced my butt off. And everybody from every office in that uh, television uh, station came back to the back. I disrupted the whole entire office. They came back because I had the music loud. Uh-huh. I wanted to bring them out. Right. And when I got through dancing off of those tunes and sh- and announcing those songs, uh, people came back shaking their heads. I knew that that was going to work. That day, uh, Bill Deer Day was the first African-American uh, general manager in the United States of America. He walked back there and was trying to figure out why everybody wasn't in their offices. And when he saw what he saw, he said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you two weeks. Let me see what you can do. Two weeks, we had the most ratings of any television show on the television. So he put you directly on air. Put me directly on air. Were you scared? No, no. I I had so long surmised in my head of what I wanted to do and where it could go that only thing was on my mind was victory. I had no... I had no nervousness, no fear. And that was one thing about me as far as dancing and being with James Brown. Uh, when I was entertaining, there mm-hmm. was no fear. You, you had the experience. That was it my was element. Out. Okay. That was my element. You put me on the stage, uh-huh. that's it. What was <laughs> it? What was it like in the first uh, six months? First six of, of months show, was pandemonium because okay. the, 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 uh, the uh, uh, front desk had... Uh, their phones jammed always leading up from that Thursday up to that Saturday because they knew Black Gold was coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was pandemonium. Uh, everybody was, was, was coming at me trying to either be on the show or be a special part of the show or trying to change my vision. And I had to stick, uh, stick to what I was wanting to do as far as the dream was concerned. And that is what led me to making Black Gold last for 21 years. I never swayed. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, we were offered the show to be televised in New York and Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And we were for that and we're about to get ready for it. 
we wanted to tape the show and send it to them. They didn't want that. They wanted us to shoot the show in that area. I said, no, sir. If we don't do it in Mississippi, we don't do it. It can't be done. It can't be done. So I lost out on a a national syndication on two occasions. When BET formed, they called me and asked me to uh, put my show on BET. I was down for that. But the last thing that they say, as we were about to sign the contract, you know we're going to have to do this show in Washington, D.C., huh? I said, no, sir, we're not, and walked away from the table. Now, everybody told me I was a fool. Well, you know, sometime all money ain't good money. Right. And it wasn't about the money to me. These kids, and we, we established something with these kids. We right. took them off the street. Right. So how, would I, how was I going to abandon the kids in Mississippi and go to the folks in New York and Los Angeles. So let me ask you this. They wanted you to take the show from Mississippi. Mm -hmm. Did they give you any opportunity to bring Mississippi to them? No, that was a no-no. They wanted to take and transform my format, change some of the music, change the set, give me one of those high-class, multi-million dollar sets that wasn't black gold wasn't about that it was no longer black gold it was it was then show off right uh it was it was it was then a cosmopolitan effect of a show that they wanted to create i wasn't looking for cosmopolitan i was looking for raw soul black dancing right yeah and that's what i got and that's straight, what i stuck with from the streets straight from, Mississippi. from the street these kids were fantastic greatest talents man we had auditions these kids would come to our audition and it was the proudest moment of my life to just see these kids uh 13 14 15 dancing and had the talent and nobody gave them a chance how did you go about finding them? I mean, did you put an uh, advertisement out, flyers, pamphlets, what, what, uh, use the TV station? How did you get the word out? We did it in several ways. We d- used the radio stations and held auditions on Saturdays, on certain Saturdays. And we'd go on the radio and I'd announce it on, on the TV show that on such and such a Saturday, we'll be auditioning from this time to that time. And the place was always packed to the rafters. How many um, dancers uh, did you usually have on the show? We would not go over 50 dancers, and there was a reason for that. Not only because of the volume, uh, the, the, uh, the lineage of, of the stage and the place that they would be in, mm-hmm. but because if you, if, if you get a dance floor too crowded, these kids could not display their talents. Because it was real dancing. It was real on. dancing and it they needed no elbow. Steel. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yes. They swing some legs That's and all of that. Swing arms, legs, elbows, ankles, <laughs> everything else they could think of. Okay, how did you did, did, <laughs> did you start off being the host and end being the host? How did you handle that situation? Did you have any stand in host? Uh what what happened with with the hosting situation? Well, I was the uh, I, <laughs> I was the writer, producer, and host. I was everything. I did I clean up uh, all of that. I learned to run the cameras. I learned to run the microphone. But I did that intentionally. And everybody right. said, "No, you don't need to do that. You just walk in front of the camera and do X, Y, and Z." Mm-hmm. I wanted to learn the camera, right? Because I can tell then the cameramen what to do and what not to do. Right. If you don't run the cameras, you don't know what they can do. Right. Uh, I was you never the ho- follow. You can't lead. That's exactly right. I had. Chris Carr uh, at one time uh-huh. in doing the hosting for me. Uh, I had um, Alton Palmore uh, from, he was at that time at WJMI radio station. Uh-huh. Uh, that's about it. Every once in a while I do a celebrity uh, host, uh, but that was all to give it a different flavor and a different effect 
as time went on. Okay. Now, when you climbed up that that tower, <laughs> let me let me get myself right. What in the hell were you thinking about? What 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 made you? I mean, did you just look up one day and say, "Okay, I'm gonna go up there and film"? Dramatics, dramatics. Uh, I had to do a new opening for my show. I had to come up with something that was uh, uh, spontaneous as well as death defying <laughs> and I gave I went to the to the folks at the television station and said I want to dance on top of the towers what and they did say, they say they said okay, I can't say it I'll say it this way hell no <laughs> <laughs> okay well what, what made you climb up there well anyway? let me tell you what yeah, happened I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what had happened was <laughs> well, okay what had happened was I got with the uh, uh, the director of the show. I got with two of the cameramen, and I said, "I'm going to do something. And all I want y'all to do is follow me." I said, "No, we got to know what you're doing." I said, "No, I need camera uh, uh, one over here, and I need camera two over there. Mm-hmm. And all I need you to do is just shoot at that tower." Well, they had no idea that I was climbing the tower because they had their cameras up. Right. So as they had the cameras up, they kept saying I had a radio and I kept saying, shoot to the tip top of that co- uh, that tower and I want you to give me a star shot. And they kept trying to do it. They couldn't give me no star shot because they didn't have no star filter, but they kept trying. Right. So as they were trying, I was climbing up the, 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 uh, the tower. Uh-huh. And by the time they realized I was up there, it, it was, was too late. It was on. It was too late. And I said, now play the music. And we had some speakers outside. They played the music. And I danced on top of the tower. Of course, they called the police on me. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> they called the police. The people called the police on me. They handcuffed me. <laughs> and I danced in handcuffs. Oh, oh man. man! Oh man! Come on now! No, no. What happened was they did call the police, but the reason that it didn't turn into anything was because the hours, the towers were owned by WLBT. What would it look like for WLBT to have me uh, in jail with the number one rated show on the air? How long had the show been running then? Oh, let's see. We were there. That was our third year. That was our third year, <laughs> and we were number one for so long that. It was, I knew there was no way they were going to arrest me. I knew that. So that's why I took the chance. And, they, of course, they talked to me for an hour, two hours about what I could and couldn't do. I ignored all of that. <laughs> and you just did, did your thing. I did my well, thing. I, well, you, I guess a born leader. <laughs> Let me ask you this. The song, uh-huh. the, the, the theme song, ain't nothing but, but a party. Ain't nothing but a party. Did you write that? I wrote that along you with and, and Joe Shamwell and Tommy Tate. And... Rest in peace. Rest in peace, brother Joe Shamwell and Tommy Tate. Both of them are dead? Both of them are dead. Okay. Yes, indeed. All right. I yeah. just learned about uh, Mr. Shamwell's yeah. uh, death. I didn't even, I didn't know anything about it. How, how did that situation affect you? Very deeply because uh, he was one of my best friends on the planet. Joe Shamwell was the reason, that, one of the reasons the show lasted 21 years. Mm-hmm. Every time there was conflict and I wanted to quit, Joe Shamwell was my... Um, mind of reasoning where he would come and say now you know you can't do that because this show is not your show and I, I said what are you talking about he said this is no longer your show it was your show when you first started it it's no longer your show it's the community show you've given these kids something to uh, to believe in something to want to aspire to and you're going to walk away from that 
Well, I wanted to walk away anyway, but he kept giving me the things that the show meant to the community. Mm -hmm. And I had, and he kept telling me, he said, you're being selfish. And it didn't hit me that way while, while I wanted to do it, but as I sat and thought about it, that was selfish. A lot of times that, that, that you know, things like that happen. Yeah. You know, we, we're thinking we're doing the best me, thing. Me, me, me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not and necessarily that. It's just, you know, we're thinking on the inside of us. Yeah, that's and, right. And, and, that's and right. not realizing that you're taking something from the community that's that they really right. need. And these kids, man, they aspire. They would get their little dance outfits. They would, those who couldn't afford it had their mothers making outfits. Uh, I mean, the gleam in their eye, man, when you walked in their studio was another level. When you walked in there, you knew that these kids had something to be proud of. Right. And Joe Shamwell, along with my other partner, Julian Davis, stopped me from quitting about, oh, at least four or five times. I was done with it, and they, they turned me back around. What, what did you get? How, why did you want to quit? Wanted to quit because uh, my station, some of the powers that be, was upset with me because I would not take the show to California. That I would not, because it was going to be a sweet deal. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, at the end of the negotiations, there was going to be some exchange between the national and us being local. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, they were upset, and I, you know, they told me you you must do this. You know, the only way that the show is going to rise to a national level is that we leave here. And every time they did that, I got upset and left. Wanted to leave because mm -hmm. I was not taking it. Okay, was not taking it. What kept you so just firm on it? I mean, why didn't you just say? Probably because of the way I was brought up. You know, my mother and father always taught me that the one of the best things that you can do is be a part of your community. We mm -hmm. were the persons that, even as I was a young kid, would be doing the marching in the streets for civil rights. Okay. Uh, uh, that's the way I was raised. When there was a, an election, we marched down the streets. Uh, we were in the community. I was brought up community-oriented. So for me to do anything other than doing it for the community, the community kept me alive. They are the ones who made black gold, black gold. Right. I mean, I was I was a catalyst to it, but they were looking at their children on that show. They mm -hmm. were bragging about, did you see my son on, on right. that show? Right, they had something to be proud oh, of. Oh, man. Oh, it was a different trip, you know. And then when I talked to the mothers and fathers, they were saying, oh, thank you so much because my son was headed down the wrong road. And I never have had anything that we could do to turn him around except this show. Okay. And once people tell you that, man, and that money don't do nothing for you. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, a lot of people told me I was crazy, and I, I am. I want you to know that. I definitely <laughs> am that. Ain't no question about that. I came here crazy. Probably leave here crazy. <laughs> so I enjoy from, crazy. From how long did did the show last? How long did it last? Twenty one years. Twenty one years. Twenty one years. Seventy two to whatever twenty one years is. <laughs> okay. All right. See, that's three. Uh, Eighty three. Ninety one. So okay, that. Okay. Nineteen ninety one. And out of those years, you graduated a lot of people. Yes, indeed. From this community. Walter Payton was on our show as a dancer. We sent him to Soul Train because. We did a, uh, a dance contest to send somebody to a national contest that was being sponsored by a national sponsor, Walter Payton, uh, oh, and a lady by the name of Mary, oh, Mary Jones was his partner. Mm -hmm. uh, we had the first African-American uh, um, 
Miss Black Mississippi. I'm sorry, Miss Black USA. Mm-hmm. Uh, Helen Ford. Uh, we uh, Patrick uh, Kelly mm-hmm. was a world class designer that went to Paris and got real large. So we've had some real strong people to be on that show. And you were a part of it. You brought up the community. Everybody from Walter Payton down to June Boo. Yeah, June Bug. Boy, <laughs> what you talking about? June I was with now, June, June Bug. Was, I was, man, I was with man. June Bug two nights ago, man. Were you? Yes, sir. Oh, man. Now, you talking about a dancing yes, machine. That, they are, we, you know, we normally say June Bug as they're talking about the community, but there is a June Bug that was on Black Gold was one of the Catalyst of making Black Gold last. He was, oh yeah, oh man, June Buck. He had his little group of guys, and they would put together dance routines. And a oh, man, June Buck was it. Oh yeah, oh man, oh, yes yeah. indeed. All right, from then until now, mm-hmm. how has the in- industry changed uh, locally and 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 nationally, and how has it affected you and what you do? Boy, that's a big and uh, strong question. My brother, uh, then and now, then we had uh, 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 folks that had uh, a different kind of talent. And when I say a different kind of talent, we had singing groups and we had uh, superstars like the Vandrosses and the Michael Jacksons and, and folks like that. Now we have Bruno Mars that might take up some of the slack, but there was a long time in between before it got to that stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, you know, they were actual musicians and singers and dancers. Right. Now we have more mixing and 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 and, and uh, 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 folks piecing together stuff and that sort of thing and and doing shows by tracks. Back there in that day, no artist would dare do no no tracks a date. None. You, if they didn't have that band, they wouldn't show. They wouldn't come in. You wouldn't force them. You wouldn't live. give them no track date. Live. Live. Yeah, it was, to be it live. had to be live in color. <laughs> yes, indeed. Okay, and what advice do you have for up-and-coming promoters and and businessmen and, and people of, of, of uh, that color that, you know, that's doing it now with uh, the tools that they have? Um, versus uh, when you was coming along, what what, what advice do you have? For Learn the craft as a business and not as a ego trip to be in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. Uh, oftentimes now, folks want to be promoters, managers, and or booking agents for the wrong reason. Mm-hmm. Those reasons are to get and mingle around the artists, around that entertainment world, around the facade. Learn it backwards and forward. Read books. Read every book you can get your hand on mm-hmm. that has to do with this business. Don't only learn what your part of the business is. Learn the the, the back side of it. If you are going to be a manager, learn the booking agency side. Right. If you're going to be a manager learn a, a part of what producers do uh, if you're going to be a manager go in the studio with your artist rather than being at the house while they're cutting the song and then you show up after the song is over see what they are doing encourage mm-hmm. them be a part of their lives and uh, fight fight for what you believe in you go yes listen entertainment is not an easy business a lot of people think it is and say oh so-and-so made it overnight that is BS I don't know anybody in this industry made it overnight. I just mm-hmm. don't. I just don't. You know, 
A lot of people say, well, you know, let me give you an example. Paris Hilton is one, and uh, uh, the, Kardashian, the Kardashians are one. No, they didn't. Everything that you see them going through and all the money that you see them make, they pay a heavy cost mm-hmm. to do that. And they learn how to uh, reinvent themselves consistently. Right. So if you're going to be in this business, my advice to you is that you can do it. But it's going to take a lot of effort, burning the midnight oil consistently. And you're going to have to learn to trust some folks and get a, not an entourage, Mm -hmm. but just a few folks that you can trust and build faith in and y'all go together. Can't do it by yourself. All right. What other stones do you have out there uh, (coughs) um, planted in the the, the pavement that uh, we we don't know about? (laughs) Well, right now I'm in negotiations for a a um, a corporate deal that is going to be massive if, in fact, we can uh, finalize it the way that it is shaped, shaping up to be at this point mm-hmm. that will propel uh, a lot of folks into a better position to make a lot of money. Okay. So I can't, I'm not at liberty to say the name of the people we're negotiating with. Mm-hmm. But I am at liberty to say it's in the entertainment business, and it is a deal that is very, very close to be uh, done. And if it comes through, we'll be able to employ a lot of people and make a lot of people's dreams come true. Okay. All right. Well, once again, it has been an honor. Another thing, you, you're still doing your community things here in Jackson. Uh, Most certainly. Okay. And, and give, the, give the people a, a little bit of information on that. Okay, well, the direct community thing would be uh, Ferris Street Festival. It mm-hmm. is a festival that uplifts Ferris Street, and we're trying to now take it to another level because it has for so long uh, been the stepchild festival, but we've been together now for 35 years, mm-hmm. uh, 30, 35 years, I think, mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. we are doing some more things as far as getting into the schools, getting into, uh, well, and when I say schools, high schools as well as colleges, we are going to try to do a uh, walk of fame on Ferris Street to put some folks' n- uh, names and lights. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, we're going to establish some scholarships. Right. Um, and that's the most important thing for us to get. You know, the schools no longer have the kind of band uh, 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 curriculum like they had in the past. Right. But well, we went to band. Right. And out of those out of those schools came folks going to college and out of those colleges you have folks forming bands and all of a sudden you got somebody with a major uh, recording contract. Right. We're going to try to get more of the uh, uh, bands back into the school as a curriculum and try to fund them to make sure they have enough money to sustain it. Okay. All right. Well, you heard it first right here. Two Black, Two Strong, man. We're live at 440 North Mill Street, Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, Mr. Uh, Lee King. Wow. I'm talking about the fantastic Lee King. Get out of here. The man that climbed the tower. The tower in downtown. In Jackson, Mississippi and rode the train in the zoo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You know you what? I forgot, that, I forgot that, about that, 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 that Yeah. <laughs> 
Listen, oh, yeah, we, snuck, we snuck that one in too. Zoo told her we couldn't do it. it. Said, okay, okay, you you can't do that. We can't be responsible for that. I said, okay, how much it cost to get on that on the train to just ride it? Right. No, I bought the train out. I bought the train out. I bought every seat on the train and put all my dancers on it. <laughs> I said, we just gonna ride. I put the camera in a certain spot and I said, now when we come around here, you better shoot this, okay? And when we start coming around to that camera, we parted on that train. Man, I forgot Yo. about that one. That was oh. still by you. Watch out! <laughs> so you, you risk taker. You yes. took some risk. That is the only way you can make a difference and, and do something different than everybody else's to be a risk taker. When you stop taking risks and you're too scared to take a risk, you're stay done. at the house. Stay at the house. Stay it's at over. the house. It's over. Y'all heard that, didn't you? Over. When, when, when you can't do it no more. Do it till you can't do it no more. Stay at home. Yeah, stay at the house. Play with the grandkids. Watch out with the grandkids. <laughs> <laughs> I thank you for coming through, sir. It's my honor. It really All right. Is. Mr. Lee King. I remember man. that OG award you gave me, and it came from you. Remember? Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Two Black, Two Strong, man. Vertigo, Freelance, The Groove, man. We'll be back at you in a little while. Awesome, I believe.